yeah, I hope you guys are all having an awesome uh, week. So, as you know, Pastor Aaron's been kind of running through revival. Um, we've been seeing it all over the place. And <laughs> Aaron does want to claim, you know, he's part of it all. But, it's, you know, God's doing amazing things in the churches throughout North America, um, throughout the world. God is doing amazing things. Um, there's something, though, so Pastor Aaron's been talking a lot about different aspects of revival, and that part that's kind of been sticking to me a lot is revival and worship. I don't know if you ever, if you, I know Aaron's been showing you guys videos about Asbury University, and then, but if you haven't realized, there's been universities throughout uh, the states and even some Canada actually starting to, starting to recognize revival in their uh, universities and stuff, and that, that is amazing. So I believe um, that in most of our churches, one of the greatest areas that we can improve really is how we express our worship, how we, how we express our devotion, and our love for God. So today I'm going to share a few thoughts from Scripture, but also I'm going to share three different qual qualities of how it is to worship God. So I'm going to start today with the words of Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 23. Oh, that's not yet. I don't have this up, apparently. John 4, 23 says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Jesus says the time has now come and the true worshipers will worship the Father. My question for you, if there is true worshipers, I'm sure we can all agree that there's probably some false worshipers as well. You can't have one without the other. There's going to be a false worshipers as well. So, again, Jesus says, for they, the true worshipers, are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. The Father is seeking actual worshipers. What he's not seeking, he's not looking for the best public speaker, the best communicator, the best pastor. He's not looking for the most uh, charismatic leaders. Um, he's not looking for the best of the best, the rich of the richest. And he's not also looking on, well, who has the most followers on Facebook or Instagram? He's not looking at any of that sort of stuff. But instead, the Father is searching for true worshipers. Now, some of you may say that I'm a follower of Jesus, but... I may not be an amazing worshiper. I might not have the best voice. I might not move around too much. So I'm not the most amazing worshiper. Well, guess what? You're all wrong. We are worshipers. We are an amazing worshiper. For example, if you ever go to a hockey game and you love the team, what do you do when they score? You're going to cheer them on. You're going to raise your hands and cheer them on. You're going to yell. You're going to be excited. Yes, we don't typically call that worship, but in a way it is. So just follow with me. If you go to a concert and you love the artist that's singing, I'm sure at some point in our lives, we've gone to a concert, we've been so overwhelmed, we're like, Justin Bieber, Right? <laughs> Someone did that. No one can say they haven't here. Someone has. <laughs> but no, seriously. And then if you go to, um, if you win the lottery, 
Oh, they got them up. Sweet. If you got the lottery, um, you're going to be excited. You know, you can tell she's a little happy, right? We go to the next slide. Oh, yeah. $70 million. Woo! Yeah, that's really lame. But anyways, very excited, right? He's probably cheering. He's probably, like, just overjoyed by what's going on. So you would probably express some worship for something that you're really, really excited about. Right? So in these slides, I still have one more slide, I believe, right? Yeah, that's a slide too. Worship when you're sad and crying because your team is horrible. I'm just kidding. Sorry. (laughs) I like the Oilers. (laughs) Um, But honestly, in all the slides, you saw some sort of passion, some sort of enthusiasm, uh, some worship. Right? You've seen love, adoration, uh, just emotions evoking through that. And if you notice in all these pictures, what do you see? You see good worship. Right? That's what it is. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's really good worship. Well, oh, wrong way. But it's good worship of a bad God. The problem is, it's a bad God. Think about it. I don't want to pick at any celebrity. I don't want to pick at any sports team, except if you're a Flames. No. Um, but I'm not going to call any athlete calling them out either. But in reality, those are not good gods. But it's so easy to worship them. When you go to a game, it's so easy to cheer on the team. Hey, that's support. But it's also worship in a way too. Because it's something that is in your heart. So what do we have? We have good worship of a bad God. The challenge is sometimes in church, we have the opposite, right? We, we see, if I asked you, you know, during worship today, do we have the light shows? Do we have the haze? Do we have the, you know, all that stuff going on? Do we have professional musicians? No, right? But did you experience the presence of God during that time? Did you worship him for who he is? And did you thank him for what he's done? To express that deepest part um, in your heart and love for God. Or did you honestly show up a little bit late and just watch the three of us sing some songs as we end our time of worship? Right? Got to look at that. We see Jesus talked about this problem. He actually quoted an Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 8-9. He was talking about the hypocrites and he said... These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They're saying, he, he's saying that they give lip service, but their hearts are so far from me. He said, their worship is a joke. It's a farce. It's not real. So what I want to do is I want to help you to prepare your heart to express worship for our God. And for me, that's where I kind of feel that this revival is going to be beginning as well. It's going to continue on. It's going to help push us. I want to set the tone from David's words in Psalm 100. And this will hopefully help prepare your heart. Dan did already read it. We're going to read it again. It says here, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and its faithfulness to all generations. Guys, I genuinely believe that the reason we exist is singular. It's one purpose, and that is worship the living God. One purpose. We, we see the reason God gave you breath in your lungs and a heartbeat this morning is there's no other reason than to worship the one who made you. So there's nothing more important that we can talk um, about this morning. So as you continue on with revival, I, I want to challenge you with three things that I believe are honestly evident in everyone who is a true worshiper of God. The first one is true worshipers worship with awe. Scripture says in Hebrews 12 too, he says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I love that. We, we, we need to be thankful because our kingdom cannot be shaken. Gratitude is the gateway to great worship. It says, we just read, let us be thankful. And so when we worship God acceptably with reverence, and we say, say it with me, with reverence and with awe. Let's say awe. Oh, come on. See, I just said it without even trying. Awe. There you go. <laughs> we see that. Um, when, we, when we worship God with awe, for the most of us, most of the word and the phrase, unfortunately, doesn't mean as much as it used to. Our culture has basically diluted that word awe. If you ever had conversations like, talk to your friends, hey, how was Heller Good Sandwiches? It was awesome. How's the Oilers game? It was awesome. How was the Flames game? Not awesome. <laughs> but no, how was the new show that you started watching? It was awesome. It's so easy to use that word, right? We use that word to describe all the things that are by very nature not awesome. They're just normal things, things that are good. And so when we talk about worshiping God with awe, what does that mean? See, the Greek word for this, I'm going to mess it up, is phobos. I will, I've messed it up all the time. Anyways, it's where we get the word phobia from. And it literally means like rever reverential fear of the power and the holiness of God. You see, God is the only one who is awesome, period. Right? There's nothing in all of creation that is worthy of awe but our God. We do get glimpses of awe, though. Maybe you've, maybe you've, for those of you who have gone to the Grand Canyon, you know, it's incredible, and I guarantee you started to get that glimpse of awe. Or maybe the first time that you saw a sunset on the ocean, you're getting a glimpse of awe. Or maybe for parents, the first time you see your child being born, getting a glimpse of awe. But if I have a sense of awe in things that were created... How much more should I have in the one who breathed that into, a, into a being? The one who spoke that into existence. We are to worship God with awe. So 
How do we do it? The psalmist in Psalm 95 wrote this. He said, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Crazy, this is a position that should be extremely common uh, for anyone who's a follower of Jesus. And yes, that may be a very, very uncomfortable moment for you. But it's a humbling moment. It's not about you. But there are times in the presence of God that lowering yourself is symbolic of lifting him up in you. He doesn't need, he, no, he doesn't need us to lift him up. He's already at the highest. But this is an act of lifting him up in my own life. So maybe there are times in, in, in your worship, in your personal worship, in, in our corporate worship settings, where there's no other reasonable response but just to bow before the King of Kings, bow before our God. And even if it's not here, I pray that at some point along your week, there's a place in your house where you can just get on your knees. Get on your knees. Just be grateful for who God is and what he has done in your life. Humble yourself before the king. Some examples of of significance bowing in scripture is when the wise man came to the manger to Bethlehem, what did they do? They bowed. Before the Christ child. Peter's called by Jesus. What does he do? He bows. We see scripture says that every knee will bow. Everyone. Whether you believe or don't believe. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And sooner or later every knee will bow. So if we're going to do it in heaven, why not start now? Right? Why not start now? I have a question for you, and I pray that it will start getting you thinking uh, a little more. When's the last time that you've been stunned and you've been shaken to the core by the presence of God? When's the last time that you've been so moved by God's presence that you didn't know what else to do other than responding in worship? I remember there's been times where I've just been overwhelmed in life as whole, where, you know, tomorrow and the kids aren't, aren't home, I'll go, and I've gone to the, the, our room, and I just kneel against the bed, and I'll just cry. Yeah, if someone came in there, they'd be laughing, because I can be an ugly crier. Um, but just crying out to God on my knees. There's countries all over the world where they create gods out of stone and out of clay and they carry them around or they put them in their houses or their places of business. But these gods have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they can't speak. That's not the God who we serve. We serve a God we don't have to carry around, but that our God carries us. He has ears to hear even the faintest whisper he has eyes to see us right where, we're, where we are at. He has a mouth to speak to us when we need to hear his voice the most. We serve a God that is living. He is the beginning. He is the end. He holds the oceans in his hands. And when we re- realize who our God truly is, we will worship him with awe. When's the last time you experienced that kind of move in your worship? 
challenge you guys, think about that this week. When's the last time you let your, let you be shaken by God? True worshipers worship with awe. The second one we have is true worshipers worship with abandon and reverence. So what does that mean? That means, yes, in a way, we're going to get a little bit excited. Worshiping with abandon um, means that some people around us might not understand what we're doing. For me, there's been times where I look like an idiot when I worship. If you see me leading worship, I'm, you will, you'll see this now. I'm just knees together, kicking my feet. I look dumb. But it's not about anyone else. It's about me and God. Right? We worship with abandon. And 2 Samuel uh, 6.14 says, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. So why was he dancing? Right? We see this here. King David, um, he look around and go, hey, since God's coming into town, why don't we find the best musician and the best singer? You know what? You're going to be the best. You know what? You seem to know how to worship God a little bit better. So I want you to go and just lead the way in worship. No, that's not what David did. What David did is he went and he led the way. Here's what scripture says in 2 Samuel 6. Samuel 6, verse 14, it says, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. He danced with abandon. He danced like he didn't care who was watching him because he knew the God that he was serving. As David danced with abandon, and out of all the people who saw him dancing and just looking like an idiot, the first person to criticize him was his wife. She said to him, you're humiliating yourself. You're the laughing stock of our nation. But did, David, did that slow David down? No. This is what David, uh, David said in 2 Samuel 6.21 and onward. He says, I was dancing before the Lord. And yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet. Right? Even to be humiliated um, in, other, in his own eyes. He's just getting started. And when you know all that God has done for you, how can you not dance? How can you not feel joyful inside of you? I'm going to worship God with abandon and reverence. I love how David honestly didn't outsource his worship. He didn't expect other people to do it, but he, as a follower of Christ, he was the one that said, yes, I'm going to give it my all. I love how he, I, I love how he just didn't take, get anyone else to do it. He himself was the example to his people. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. I mean, he's the king. He's the most powerful guy. You know, he, he, he could have thought about his stature, he could have thought about his position, but he didn't because it wasn't about that. It was about God. True worshipers worship with abandon and reverence. Now, here's the problem for today. Problem is you walk into a church um, auditorium like this, and 
you will walk in those back doors, and what do you see? You see a stage, and you see people on here. You see the lights facing us. You think, people, if you're not used to the church culture, you think about it, you're going to think, these guys, they're important. They're more important than all of us because we're facing you guys. You are our audience. Because if you go, go to a concert, that's what it's going to look like. We're facing you. So if you had no context of, for church, you would just assume that we are here for who? We're here for you. You're here to listen to us because we're important. But this is not for you. This is not for me. You are not the audience. There is an audience, but it is not and will not ever be you. Every person in this room who are followers of Jesus, you are part of a, of a choir, a holy choir. The ones up here might be the choir directors, but we are a choir. We're an assembly of God's people, and our audience is singular. It is God. And so when we come to this place, it's not about, hey, I don't like this song. I don't like that song. You should not be playing guitar. It's not about that. It's, it's, and honestly, it doesn't really matter. It's not about you. It sounds bad. It's not about you. It's about the king. It's about our king. It is, this is what we're, we're here for. We're, we are here to collectively lift, lift up the name of our Savior and our creator. The ones on the stage, like I said, are just choir directors. We worship with God. We worship God with abandon and reverence. So if you're struggling, you may be like, you know what? I'm just going to get embarrassed if I actually worship with abandon. If sometimes I want to raise my hands, but I'm like, I'm just going to hide down here, behind my back. Sometimes I want to clap. Some of y'all clap, which is awesome. Some of you want to dance. Some of you want to get to your knees. What would the person next to you think? Is that what you're thinking when you don't, you want to raise your hand, you're feeling like God's saying, raise your hand. No, I don't want to. This guy's beside me. Or maybe you're thinking, what would my parents think for all the youth? What would my spouse think if all of a sudden I'm like, praise God. You know, or if I had a really bad voice worse than mine, because mine's pretty bad. Just kidding. They are not your audience. Your spouse is not your audience. Your kids are not your audience. The people sitting beside you are not the audience. The people who are watching online are not your audience. God is our audience. So who cares what everyone else thinks? We worship him with awe, and we worship our God with abandon, with reverence. You just sometimes, you got to let loose in church. I've heard in churches, you come in, and when everyone's, oh, this is stale. There's no life here. Revival. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Rejoice in our Heavenly Father. Realize that Jesus paid for your sins and just to say thank you with your face and your hands and with your voice and like genuinely be excited that the God of creation actually cares about you. Because he does. Yes, you have people beside you. 
It's great because we're a church family. But if you want to raise your hands, if God's saying, you feel God's saying, you know what, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Don't be ashamed of the people beside you. If, if you're going to just start crying, guess what? Cry. Because we're here to worship our God. We're not here to worship each other. We're here to sing to the king of kings. We're here to spend time in his presence. We're here to say thank you, God, for all that you've done in my life, in my wife's or my husband's wife, life, in my kid's life. That's what we're here for. What I'm talking about is when you really understand what that means, it's going to help you get your move on, essentially. I'm just telling you as it is. But I do want to clear the air when it comes to this. Um, worshiping with abandon, I'm not saying there's, there's some churches I've watched, and they're on here, and they're doing stage dives. They're, like Aaron, Aaron said a couple weeks ago, barking like dogs. They're doing all this sort of stuff. Does God want us to bark at him? I don't think so. But God does want our hearts. And when you have honest in your heart, and you're saying, God, Speak to me. God, work through, through me and help me to be the best that I can be for you. God's going to do amazing things. We have a slide, uh, a little video here. Um, it's from the Asbury um, University, uh, from the revival that's going on there. I know Aaron's already showed you, and I have a bunch more, but I'm not going to play them. I'll talk about them. But I want you to look at what's going on. You're going to see... Young people, you're going to see older people, you're going to see people who don't usually worship together, praying for one another. The young people praying for the older, the older praying for the young. There's going to be worship. And just one thing to point out, there's no screens with the lyrics on, on them. Yeah, you probably, some probably have their phones, but they don't have that. And if you look at the stage, it's not a full band. There's no haze. There's no crazy lights. It's not overpowering. It is the voices and the people spending time in the presence of God that is what's going on in that video. So if you can play the video for a second. here look how full that building is they're not here for the music they're not here for just to be with, be with their friends they're here to worship God why are we here we're here to worship the king of kings the lord of lords our heavenly father when we worship we need to worship the lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling as it says in psalms 2 verse 11 and we need to see this as we spend time in worship we need to do it with abandon with reverence so as you bow down as you go to your knees as you lift your hands as you spend time in in, in his presence as you lift up your voices louder as you cry Just endeavor 
to remember who God is and to approach him with reverent thanks for his goodness to you. The last thing here is true worshipers worship with uh, intimacy. We're going to continue to look at the life of David. The same David who worshiped with abandon also worshiped worship with intimacy. And I love in, in Psalm 27, 4, it says this. It says, one thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, David, he's not looking for... Uh, a bunch of things, but he's saying one thing that he seeks, that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. David's not asking for more power. He's not asking for more fame. He's not asking for a bigger kingdom. No, he's just saying there's one thing I want, and this is spend time in his presence. What does it feel like to have that kind of intimacy with God? Some, some of you here uh, may be thinking, man, Worship here is it's good. And I, but I can't wait for it to be done. Or some of you realize that you're not stepping into the moment of worship like you've been created to do. David says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he goes on to say to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. There's one thing that I wanted you to draw from this um, is to draw closer to him. You know, when, when I think about worshiping with uh, intimacy, it, it's, it's like somebody, sorry, Tamara, um, will ask about my wife. And they'll ask me, what do you like about her? I can go on about details that I love about her. I can say I love the way that she smiles. I love her, that she laughs and thinks my jokes are dumb, but she'll still laugh in sympathy. Right? Or they love the way that she takes, well, we'll go out to an event or not, and you'll, you have the little nod or the, we got to go. She knows that. Right? Or, or I love the way that she takes care, and she does take care of our finances. Because if I did, we would be broke. I would not know what to do. Right? I love the way that she raises our kids. I love the way that she spends time in the Word. And I love the way that she just pursues God on, um, on a daily basis. But there's one thing I don't have to do. I don't have to stalk her on Facebook. I don't have to stalk her on Instagram. I don't have to do research on her because I have an intimate relationship with her. God looks at us as his children and he looks at us as his church. He wants us to have that same kind of relationship but with him. One that's intimate and not just knowing uh, about him. You may have heard all the amazing things God has done. You've heard, I just don't want having, that's not what having a true intimate relationship with him is. It's just knowing what he's done. A true intimate relationship is born out of time spent in prayer and time spent in his word because God seeks true worshipers. True worshipers worship with awe. They worship with abandon and reverence and they worship with intimacy. We worship God because he's done so much in our lives. 
We worship God because who he is. We worship God because we have that intimate relationship with him. I see our church, I see our community as being a group of people that don't want to wait for church for Sunday mornings. We're not waiting for that one time in the week, but rather we live a lifestyle of worship on a daily basis. I see a community that it, 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 that doesn't matter how old you are, if you're single, you're married, doesn't matter. We celebrate all that God has done for us because we truly understand that as true worshipers of this good God that we serve, we need to worship, worship him with our all. We need to worship him with, uh, with our abandon, just like King David did. We need to worship him with intimacy. In a few moments, we're going to continue uh, worshiping. And I know some of you might feel a little uncomfortable, but I really want you to search your heart and ask God, which areas do I need to, to grow in? Maybe it's all three. Maybe it's just one. But as we get ready to spend time in worship, I want you to step out of your comfort zone and allow God to move in your life in a way that you've never experienced before. How do we do this? We worship with our awe. We worship with our abandon. We worship with true intimacy. I'm going to get you guys to stand in a second here. But I want to read... Um, well, of course, I'm, never mind. Psalms 140, 141 says um, how we can prepare our heart for worship. He says, uh, as Tamar read, he said, accept my prayer as an incense offered to you. David says, God, this is an act of my worship. Then he goes on to say, my upraised hands, accept them as an evening offering. God, just accept my upraised hands as an evening offering at church this morning. I'm going to invite you to come with me, stand up, and, and, and offer God maybe a different type of offering that you've ever had done before. Even if you've never done this before, maybe you may not even be a committed follower of Christ. But I'm still going to ask you this. And some of you is going to be really awkward. I want you guys to stand. Stand, why don't you stand with me? This here is going to be the awkward part, I know, for some of y'all. This is what we're talking about. I want to ask you to raise your hands with me for two seconds. Let's raise your hands. If it's physically too hard, I understand. But we do this all the time. I want to make it take a different meaning this morning. As you lift up your hands, the Bible says, holy hands to worship God because of who he is and because what he's done. If someone lifts up their hands, it means one of two things. It doesn't mean that, it, it either means we have the victory, you've done, your team, team has won, you've put your hands up. Yes, this is amazing, this is awesome. But as a follower of Jesus, when we lift up our hands to God, it just means both. It means we have victory because of what Jesus has done and we surrender our lives to his goodness. We lift up our voices, we lift up our hearts, we lift up our hands for, and give him praise for who he is. We're going to sing Revive Us right now. So the worship team goes, come you guys, put your hands down. Um, but keep standing. <laughs> We're going to sing Revive Us. And I know we've played the song 
for the last several weeks. What you just did, put your hands up. We have victory in Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you worship your hand? Do you worship God, the King of Kings, just like you worship as a hockey team, or do you worship him better? Worship him better. We're thankful for who, he's, for who he is, for what he has done. Next time you go to a hockey game, next time you go to a concert, next time you do any of that, if you raise up your hands, you put one hand up for that, you better lift up two to God. It's about him. Worship with awe. Worship with abandon. Worship with intimacy. Get to know him more than you have ever known him. Get uncomfortable. I've said this to our youth. I've said this to my worship teams everything. We need to be comfortable being uncomfortable for God. What that means is the stuff, when you're standing right there, it might feel weird if you're raising your hands. It might feel weird if you're lifting up your voice and you don't have an amazing voice. You may feel weird if you're starting to... Or this. Just be careful. Don't kick the person beside you. Worship with reverence and awe to the king of kings. He loves you. He wants all of you. You don't hold back when you go to sports uh, events. You don't hold back when you go to concerts. Why are we holding back here? Why? Worship the king of kings the way that he's asking you to worship him. Take him, humble yourself symbolically, lower yourself to lift him up in your life. I want to challenge you. Don't get comfortable in your seat. Get comfortable worshiping the king of kings. The biggest part is when we worship him, we got to give him our all. Definitely don't hold back. We saw David never did. Why are we? Let's sing Revive Us as we, we close today.